0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Episode 10 of the Gridiron Authority Podcast. My name's Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, week one's in the books. How'd you like it? I was full of, full of ups and downs. We had a lot of big uh, surprises,
1: a lot of letdowns, uh, some, some uh, pivotal injuries. Uh, honestly, it was a great, great start to, the, to week one, honestly, to the NFL season.
0: All right, let's get started. All right. Week one is in the books. Let's take a look at some of the news and injury updates. We'll obviously start with Antonio Brown. Um, Unless you've been living under a rock, you already know he's now a member of the New England Patriots. Uh, I I almost get tired of talking about this guy because it seems like every single week we've got something come up with him. Um, This time he posts a video online. Uh, They find him again. He demands a release, gets his release, immediately snatched up by the Patriots. Mike what do you make of all this?
1: I I mean honestly Antonio Brown is either the craziest guy we've seen since Terrell Owens or he's he's actually a genius because you you know we've been seeing the reports of him uh hiring a social media uh advisor basically trying to figure out how he could get released from New England or from Oakland uh I mean we don't have you know any any real like depth to those stories. We don't know how true it is, but if, if that's the case and he's been, you know, working this the entire time, I mean, the guy's a genius. I don't think he, I don't think that's the case, honestly. Uh, I mean, he may have intentionally been trying to get released, but I think he's just legit crazy, honestly. Uh, I mean, if you look at him going back to college, I mean, he had issues with coaches and teammates in college, uh, he had issues with coaches and teammates early in his career in Pittsburgh, the middle of his career in Pittsburgh, the end of his career in Pittsburgh. And now he goes to Oakland and has the same issue. So, I mean, I think it's just his personality. I think he's just that diva personality. Uh, I mean, he obviously got what he wanted. But, uh, I mean, like you said, it's at this point, I'm just kind of tired of hearing about the guy. But obviously, playing with Tom Brady, playing with the defending Super Bowl champions, you know, we're going to be hearing about him all season long because, you know, at this point, I I feel like if he goes a game and only gets two catches for 20 yards, people are going to be saying he's lost his touch, you know, and then, you know, he's going to panic on, on uh, social media, you know, with how involved he is there. He clearly cares what people think about him. So if he has a bad game, he's going to perceive that as he looks weak and he's not going to like that. So, uh, I mean, it, it, I don't even really know what to think about it because there's so much to it, but, Uh, unfortunately it's not going to stop anytime soon
0: yeah and I think part of it seems to me like a little bit of dumb luck mixed with some of the past I know the Steelers had tried to deal him to the New England Patriots before or no he wanted the deal to the Patriots Steelers wouldn't do it because they didn't want him to trade to a contender so they end up trading him to the Raiders I think he wanted to play for the Raiders but I think that's when his kind of craziness started happening and and I think it just worked out for him that he's going to end up being where he wanted to be to start with. I, I doubt it's intentional, but I guess we'll see. So it's a kind of a crazy deal. Yeah. And I, I think, uh,
1: you know, on, on the Raiders, I think he, I, I do think he wanted to play for the Raiders initially, but, uh, Antonio, I mean, in, in Pittsburgh, I mean, it was basically they let him do whatever he wanted because of how talented he is. And, And, uh, you know, John Gruden, I mean, he's hard on players. Uh, he's not, he's not a guy that really lets players, uh, go too crazy. So I think when he was, you know, kind of checked a little bit by John Gruden, I don't think he really liked that as much. And, uh, you know, John Gruden did give him some leeway, obviously. I mean, he joked around with him a lot. He joked about the situations a lot, but at a certain time, I think John Gruden was checking him where, uh, the Steelers weren't. Um, and I think he had an issue with that, why he wanted to go to the, to the, Patriots I'm not sure because they're going to be a lot more strict than uh than uh the Raiders are but I think that's initially what started driving that wedge is you know he was doing these things and you know the the Raiders were actually finding him for it and they were actually you know considering suspending him and things like that where the Steelers never did that really uh they did that fine I think the final game of last season they made him inactive uh, or one of the final games and that was really about the only the only consequence he ever saw his entire time and in Pittsburgh. So I think that's uh when you go unchecked for so long and then all of a sudden someone checks you, I think that, you know, with his type of ego and, you know, his his personality, I, I think that uh was not a welcome a welcome thing for him. So I do think he initially wanted to play for the Raiders, but uh, you know, obviously that went downhill pretty quick.
0: I think that this is gonna be his his last chance, in my opinion. He's going to the place where you can win a championship. You can be successful. You know up front the coach isn't going to put up with any of your BS. I think this is going to be his last chance to to prove himself in the NFL. If it doesn't work out here, I don't see him going anywhere else.
1: I, I agree with that.
0: All right. So let's go on to Melvin Gordon news. We haven't really had much of this throughout the preseason. Um the Chargers have said that they're done looking for trades because there aren't any free or, or fair trade offers out there. Melvin Gordon saying that he's going to miss. I think it was at least six to eight weeks. Um, how do you think the play of Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson this week has really affected what's going on with Melvin Gordon? Uh, I mean, it's if if they continue to
1: play like that, it's going to have a huge effect because he loses all his bargaining chips. What he needs to get his contract and uh, you know anything else he really wants is, is for Eckler and Jackson to kind of go down and. And, uh, you know, not, you know, kind of struggle. They they both had good games. You know, I think they were both in the uh, – uh, Jackson had 50 uh, – f- I think 57 yards. Eckler obviously had three touchdowns. Uh, he had 58 yards rushing. He had 96 yards receiving, uh, three total touchdowns. So uh, if they continue to play anywhere near that, he loses all his bargaining chips, honestly. Uh, and when it comes week six to eight, they may not even really want him back or need him back, honestly. Um, so, I mean, their play is going to
0: have a huge effect on it, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes moving forward. What you might see happen is if they do keep playing like this, he may come back week three, (laughs) just to be like, Hey, I got to get back in there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if it's going to last his whole, his whole holdout. That's just crazy. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, it. Th- I don't expect him to keep that type of play up. They did play, you know, over the last couple of years, Eckler's filled in, you know, sporadically. And I mean, he's had some good games, but he's also had some some down games. So I don't see him, you know, staying at that level, obviously, because that's a that's a pretty great level to stay at that only a few guys could really do consistently. So Um, But if he plays, like I said, anywhere near it, if he's getting 100 total yards and a touchdown every single game, then, you know, obviously Gordon's going to lose a lot of a lot of bargaining chips right there.
0: Exactly. So let's move on to some injury news. There's only a few major injuries, but they are big ones. Uh, Tyreek Hill injured clavicle. It pushed into his sternum. It actually hospitalized him during the game, and he's expected to miss several weeks they haven't determined whether he's going on IR yet, but uh, it doesn't look too good for Tyreek, does it?
1: Uh, not at the moment. I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can come back, you know, middle of the season and and be fine. But I think at this point, uh, if Sammy Watkins obviously plays anywhere near what he did Week One, and and uh, they get good production out of Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman and Robinson and those guys, uh, even even LaShawn McCoy. Uh, you know, I didn't expect it, but I mean he came in, I think, had 10 carries for 81 yards. Uh, you know, Damian Williams caught the ball pretty well. We obviously know what McCoy can do in the backfield catching the ball. Uh, I think they have enough weapons to survive without him at the moment and to get by without him. But if they want to I mean, hopefully he comes back at some point this season if they want to have a, a shot to make the actual Super Bowl.
0: Okay, same game, other side, Nick Foles goes down. For the Jags, broken collarbone, he is on injured reserve to return, so he's out for at least eight weeks. Gardner Minshew came in, had a solid game. Uh, what do you think of that situation? Uh, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, you know. You kind of want to see Nick Foles,
1: see what he can actually do with his own team, and and uh, when he's given the opportunity with you know uh, what I think is a, a pretty solid team. Uh, He was having a good game. I think he was five of eight for 75 yards and, you know, the play broke it on with that, that deep touchdown pass. Um, You know, he was looking good. Uh, So it is, it is unfortunate. Um, I think the, the, The one positive the Jags can get out of this is uh, they can really see what they have with Gardner Minshew. Um, I mean, Foles is under contract for several years, so presumably he's going to be the guy for the next, you know, at least two to three seasons. Um, But what they can do with Minshew is see, can this guy be our, you know, can this guy be our backup quarterback? And at some point, you know, maybe two three years down the line, if he keeps progressing little by little, can he actually be a successor to Nick Foles? So I think they could they can give him that playing time, but also take that time to groom him over the next couple of years. And so, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a bad situation, but you know, from the, from a backup quarterbacks, you know, standpoint, it could actually be kind of a blessing in disguise um, a little bit. Um, So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, that's part of the game and they just kind of got to move on and get through it. Minshew did look good. I think he completed the first 13 passes, uh, his first incompletion was almost a pick six by uh, Alex Okerfer but uh, I mean he did look good overall um, against. I mean we don't know really what the Chiefs' defense is yet, but uh, I mean it's still an NFL defense. He's you know still his first NFL game, and I mean he looked poised. He had good accuracy, uh, made mostly good decisions. So um, I think I think that you know they'll be all okay overall, but uh, unfortunate for Nick Foles though.
0: Yeah, Minshew's kind of got a, to me, it's kind of got a Kurt Warner feel. Obviously, he hasn't proved anything yet, but you get the the veteran coming in getting injured. Minshew was a guy who bounced around colleges. I think he had at least three that he was at before he landed with Washington State. And when he comes in, he, he obviously looks really good. Granted, we haven't seen how much of that was because of the Chiefs D, but uh, I think it's something to watch for the next few weeks because if this guy keeps playing lights out, you know who knows what happens with Nick Foles. Absolutely. All right, another major knee injury with Darius Geis. That's a that's a bad one because they had Adrian Peterson as a healthy scratch because they had so much faith in this guy. Uh, they said that the offense was going to run through him, and now he's down with a knee injury, and he had an ACL last year. This is the opposite knee, so it's kind of worrisome for a running back, right? Yeah, I mean he's he's a guy that they're really high on.
1: Um I think he could when healthy, he has the potential to be a workhorse back. Uh he does I mean he's a runner, you know, a pure runner first, but he can catch the ball a little bit too. So uh I mean they do luckily they do have uh Adrian Peterson to fall back on, which isn't a bad, you know. A bad thing but uh, I mean you kind of got to feel bad for Geese Uh, you know like you said ACL injury last year uh, now he's got another knee injury it doesn't seem like he's going to miss the rest of the season but uh, it does seem like he's going to miss the next several weeks Um, so it's unfortunate for him but hopefully he comes back and is ready to go here you know pretty soon and until then Adrian Peterson can just kind of keep adding on to his uh, stats
0: and then in San Francisco, Tevin Coleman goes down with a high ankle sprain. This was a backfield that when we previewed the league, we said that this is one of the deeper ones. They had Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breda, Tevin Coleman. Well, now McKinnon's IR. Uh, Tevin Coleman's going to miss some significant time. So I guess it's Matt Breda show, right? Yeah, and and again, it, it's
1: unfortunate because they brought Coleman in to, to really be the guy. I mean, he was really in the shadow of Freeman, you know, a lot of the time in in uh, Atlanta. And they brought him in to, you know, kind of take over this backfield. There's still going to be, a, a, you know, at least two backs being used, but he was going to be the feature back with Breda being the the support back. So, uh, I mean, the good thing for the 49ers is Breda came in last year. He played well. They know what they got in him. They know how to use him. Uh, they know his strengths and his weaknesses. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll have an even better year this year since they got Garoppolo back. Teams won't be able to stack the box as much. Uh, I think the 49ers, they'll be fine. That defense looks, you know, it looked pretty nasty. Uh, They had three interceptions, a fumble recovery, and three sacks against uh, Tampa Bay. So um, the defense looks like it may be able to carry them uh, throughout the season. So anything they can get from the offense is really a bonus.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. And Devin Coleman, he looked so good in the first half of that game. So I'm excited to see what that offense does because Garoppolo didn't look great, so. Hopefully, Coleman can step up when he comes back. All right, let's go to a quick recap of some of the week one games that stood out to us. Uh, Let's start (laughs) with Baltimore. And boy, when we said start whoever you have on the Ravens against the Dolphins, we were the most right we've ever been in our lives, I'm pretty sure. Lamar Jackson goes off for five passing touchdowns, perfect QB rating. Uh, This game got so bad that after the game, it was reported that Dolphins players were demanding a trade because of them throwing games, basically trying to tank for Tua. So, what would you take away from this game?
1: Uh, I mean, a couple things, honestly. I mean, one, you know, we did say that you know if you have a Raven, no matter who it is, start him. Uh, and like you said, we were clearly right about that. However, we never expected it to be this. Uh, you know, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson. You know, only three incompletions, had three hundred twenty-four yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Mark Ingram came in and, and really solidified that running game, uh, 107 yards, two touchdowns and only 14 carries. And then Marquise Brown, who a guy who's a guy I was high on, uh, coming into the season as a rookie. I mean, the guy is, you know, stride for stride, probably one of the five fastest wide receivers in the NFL, uh, you know, comes in 147 yards, two touchdowns in his first NFL game. So, um, you know, it, Obviously it's against the Dolphins, and we've said from the beginning that the Dolphins are not going to be good. But when you break it down, they're still an NFL team. It's still NFL players, NFL coaches. Uh, you know, so no matter what, they're you know, they may be a bad NFL team, but they're still NFL level players. So for them to do that, you know, and they have Xavion Howard, you know, an all pro uh cornerback on their team that did not seem to help at all. Uh, you know, it it was unbelievably impressive um i want to see if it can continue but uh you know lamar jackson joked after the game though that you know he had a pretty you know that it wasn't bad for a running back basically uh you know joking around with guys so uh you know i want to see obviously i don't expect him to stay on that level the rest of the season that's just insane but you know if this is a sign of you know what could potentially you know
0: be to come you know come to be but uh you know then look out afc north I'll tell you who really enjoyed it, and that was my fantasy football team starting Lamar Jackson over Kirk Cousins. One of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I mean, it depends really on your fantasy scoring and you know how you have it set up. But in uh, the two leagues we're in together, he was the number one quarterback in both leagues. You know, for the entire NFL. And this is a guy going into the season when people ranked you know NFL quarterbacks. A lot of people had him in the bottom five um overall yeah. so this is a guy that week one led the entire nfl um you know in fantasy from the quarterback position so i mean it's a great start for them great momentum uh and it's got to be a confidence builder because he did it with his arm and not his legs he didn't really run that much against him so that's the best thing is he he just put the nfl on notice essentially saying hey
0: you know if you give me the opportunity i will beat you with my arm exactly so let's go from a team that lived up to what we expected and go to a team that completely flopped, and that's the Cleveland Browns at home against the Titans. Baker Mayfield throws three interceptions. Now we both picked the Browns to win this game in our pick'ems last week, but I I always have thought all season long that, or all offseason anyway, that the Browns are massively overrated. Because they might have the talent, but they haven't meshed together. They haven't won anything. They haven't done anything yet. So what do you think of the Browns dropping a game to the Titans? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's the best thing that could happen to
1: them. Uh, uh, you know, not to keep joking around, but, you know, Delaney Walker, you know, quoted Dennis Green after the game, you know, with, uh, you know, if you want to crown them, crown them, you know, uh, they are who we thought they were, quote, uh, you know, because that's what everyone did. Everyone basically already crowned them the NFC North champions. Everyone crowned them Super Bowl contenders, uh, everyone crowned them the most in improved or the most improved team in the NFL and that they were going to put up these gaudy stats and the defense was unbeatable. The offense was unstoppable. Uh, and Tennessee, who we, you know, we, we said, you know, we like them as AFC South contenders, um, you know, but we always, you know, we also said it seems like they seem to just kind of sputter by and they always seem to end up there at the end, but not impressively. And what they did is they went out and they beat, you know, a, a very hyped team impressively. They, uh they ran the ball on him well they threw the ball on him well they played great defense against him like you said uh they had three interceptions against Baker Mayfield um Delaney Walker um you know who I who I talked about being Marcus Mariota's security blanket it's his first game back uh since week I think two of last season he had five catches 55 yards two touchdowns um you know uh they had another 100 yard receiver out there uh Derrick Henry 84 yards rushing uh and then he also had a 75-yard receiving touchdown so uh i mean they they also had a rushing touchdown i mean they came out and they just thoroughly beat cleveland in every way pos- possible but i do believe this is the best thing that could happen to cleveland they need to lose a game like this early they need to that reality check and realize that things aren't just going to be given to them because they have all the talent they need to actually go out there and earn those wins um so i think it's a situation to keep an eye
0: on throughout the season and and we'll see how how they handle it I agree. I think it's good for him. I mean, to me, I think their biggest downfalls are arrogance. Listening to Baker Mayfield in pregame interviews where he's saying, oh, if I'm my wide receivers, I'm licking my chops. This is about to be crazy. And then Odell Beckham wearing his $350,000 watch out on the field. Like, to me, this is the most arrogant team that's never accomplished anything. They've never had a winning season, like with this cast anyway. They've never had playoffs. I, I don't really get why the hype is there and the arrogance is there like go out and play football don't talk about it
1: yeah i mean i i understand you know i get the hype i that part i get because they do have they have a lot of high draft picks on defense uh the defense played pretty well last year they have a lot of high picks on offense and the offense was was good last year my the the arrogance is where is where they get me because again it's despite how well the defense played last year and despite how well the offense played they still had a losing record um they didn't win the division uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't accomplish anything last year. And despite everything that Odell Beckham, you know, accomplished in New York, what did New York really win while he was there, especially in the last few years, you know, he was putting up gaudy numbers, but they weren't, they didn't matter. They didn't, they didn't win. They didn't uh, translate into wins. So for all of them to come in and say, well, you know, despite us not really winning anything throughout our careers, we do have all this talent. So yeah, we're naturally going to win. Um, I think again this was a, a great reality check. They seemed really humble after the game. you know Baker Mayfield's a, a pretty arrogant guy. Odell Beckham's an arrogant guy. Uh, and they said all the right things after the game. I mean they were they, you could tell that that they were humbled by the win or by the loss. Um, and, and I think uh, moving forward, you know, um, hopefully it's something they can straighten out. Like you said, we both picked these guys to win the division.
0: but uh, you know we'll see how they handle the uh, the adversity early. I think one of the things that stands out the most to me is it's not like this team's been on the verge of playoffs for the last three years and just hasn't had a winning record. We're talking they had one win, then they had no wins, and then they fired their coach. They hire internally, which to me was the dumbest thing they could have ever done, that Freddie Kitchens isn't a great coach, but hire internally, keep the status quo going on. Yeah, they add some pieces, but these are the same players who won one game and the same players who won no games one year. They added a couple pieces to it, but that's not magically going to make them a 12-win team, 13-win team. I just think we're – I think as fans of football, when you see these big signings – and it always flashes me back to the the Eagles' dream team with Vince Young and everything uh, that just fell apart. You can put all the players there, but they've had no consistency. It's not like they hired a – a great head coach that they could that that you know was going to get seven eight wins they hired somebody that no one's even heard of out of their own organization who'd only won one game in two combined years yeah so i feel like yeah we all us included kind of pulled the trigger on them being successful too early i think just because you got the pieces you got to have the coaching too we know that for a fact you
1: got to have the coaching and you got to have the chemistry and i think that's the big thing Uh, as the season goes on uh you know the chemistry will come, but my thing with with these guys uh, and and really their egos. It's if they lose next week and they get dominated, and they lose the week after. If they get off to an zero and two, zero and three start, this thing could go downhill really quickly.
0: Especially uh, with Odell and- Beckham. I mean, you saw what he did with the Giants when they started losing, fighting, kicking nets, and doing stupid shit like that on the sidelines.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even Baker Mayfield, I mean, this is a guy that goes out and mocks people for, you know, he mocked Daniel Jones for not winning in college. And yet Daniel, you know, yet Baker Mayfield hasn't won in the NFL. Uh, Yeah, he put up, you know, amazing rookie stats, but again, it didn't translate. So, uh, I mean, these guys thrive on their egos. And so, uh again if they lose next week and and get dominated again i mean it could be you know that that domino effect where you know it could go from where we thought 11 and 5 or 12 and 4 to where this could turn into a 5 and 11 or or 4 and 12 kind of season um if they're not careful so
0: exactly so let's go to the game i know we watched uh Chiefs offense off to a scary good start but also scary because Pat Mahomes limps off the field with an ankle sprain Tyreek Hill goes down um luckily Sammy Watkins shows up like he's the number one receiver in the league so what do you think of the Chiefs game
1: uh i mean good good and bad i mean they they uh offense obviously looked great we don't like to see Tyreek Hill go down we don't like to see Pat Mahomes go down he wasn't down for very long but uh still got you know nicked up a little bit but uh you know on the positive side you know we we kind of got a reminder of what Sammy Watkins can be i mean everyone forgets that You know, most of his career, this was, you know, a number one receiver. And I mean, he's got, I mean, he hit, I think the second fastest uh, time of the week. uh, This week is like 21.33 miles per hour, just behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, I mean, everyone with all the speed on the team, everyone forgets how fast uh, Sammy Watkins is, uh, how good of a receiver he is when he's healthy. So uh, you know, if they get anything from McCole Hardman from Robinson, obviously we know Kelsey is going to put up some amazing numbers. Uh, and then I think that, you know, it was really kind of a running back by committee, uh, with, uh, Williams and McCoy and, and McCoy showed a lot more than I thought. you know, I thought McCoy would, you know, first week in the system, I thought he'd get five touches, honestly. And, you know, he had 10 rushes for 81 yards. So he averaged over eight yards per carry. And then Damian Williams ran the ball. Well, he caught the ball. Well. Uh, you know, my only question with the chiefs is, you know, we talked about earlier Gardner Minshew came in and and had a pretty solid game against them. And, you know, we're talking about a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, start, you know, in his first NFL game and, you know, kind of came through and picked them apart a little bit. Uh, they did make a few plays against him and stuff, but, uh, you know, hopefully they can tighten some stuff up on defense. Cause if you got, you know. Minshew picking you apart what's going to happen when you play Philip Rivers and what's going to happen when you play, you know, potentially Tom Brady in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it was a nice win to start the season, but still got some obvious questions heading, you know, heading in
0: uh into week 2 really and and beyond. And nobody saw because apparently the CBS trucks just stopped filming the game, but Frank Clark got a pick off of Gardner Minshew, so it was good to see the defense. It it honestly never really was close. I mean, the Chiefs scored early. It got a little worrisome when Nick Foles drove down the field and got a touchdown, but when he got hurt, they never threatened more than field goals. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they never were really that close. I'm I'm happy with the Chiefs' performance. The defense definitely needs to tighten it up. Like to see Mahomes complete that pass to <laughs> to Travis Kelsey in the end zone instead of trying to no look, but uh, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Absolutely. All right, so on to the, another AFC West team that. Everyone thought was going to be dominant, the Chargers, everyone predicted that they were going to blow the Colts out because the Colts obviously without Andrew Luck. Um, if it wasn't for Adam Vinatieri, all of a sudden not being able to kick, that game is won by the Colts, but instead it's taken by the Chargers in overtime. What'd you think of that one? Uh I mean, a little surprising and not surprising at all. Honestly, I mean, everyone
1: knows the Chargers struggle early in the season. They're kind of like the Patriots. They struggle the first four or five games of the season and then they hit a hot streak and, you know, by the end of it, they have 10 or 11 wins. Um, it it seems to happen almost every year. Uh, so it's, it's not surprising that they would struggle, but, um, the fact that they would struggle so much against Jacoby Brissett in this team. And, you know, the, the chargers have a pretty solid defense, even without Derwin James. And, uh, you know, they gave up uh, 174, 175 yards to Marlon Mack, Uh, you know, when they were able to stack the box a little bit, cause they, you know, they were trying to force Jacoby Brissett to pass it on him, And, and he did a good job throwing the ball, but Marlon Mack did an incredible job running the ball. Uh, So, I mean, it's, Like I said, it is surprising that the Colts, you know, without Andrew Luck, could keep it so close and honestly should have won the game. But with the Chargers early season struggles, it's 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 not super surprising. Exactly.
0: I think the most surprising thing is just Vinatieri not being able to hit anything, misses an extra point and two short field goals. It's crazy to me. Yeah, that that part was, you know, that that part was crazy. I mean, hopefully he he tightens that up. I mean,
1: this is potentially his last year in the NFL. We say that every year for the last six or seven, though. So uh hopefully he tightens that up and and uh the Colts can win some games, you know, moving forward.
0: All right, so let's go down to the Bucks versus the 49ers. I expected Jameis Winston to be kind of a bounce back candidate after being suspended a little bit last year and having to fight with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I thought he would bounce back. He had a not great game. <laughs> two pick sixes in the loss of the 49ers. Um, it wasn't the most exciting game, but the 49ers dominated it. Yeah, and, and and that defense,
1: I mean, they looked nasty. Uh, you know, they they sacked him three times. They had three uh interceptions, they had a fumble recovery. Like you said, two of those interceptions were pick six. Uh, I think that defense just uh i mean they they came came at him differently than uh, i think the buccaneers were expecting uh the addition of d ford um from kansas city and then the uh, number 2 overall pick nick bosa they both had sacks uh they both consistently rushed uh, Jameis winston throughout the day uh they were getting pressure up the middle uh richard sherman looked great um playing out there and and i'm a guy that's usually pretty critical of richard sherman honestly uh i mean that de- the the defense looked pretty nasty um uh, throughout that whole game and, and, and the offense, I mean, they didn't look, you know, great. Uh, you know, they scored, I think they put up 17 points. I mean, they didn't look great, but for Garoppolo's first game back, it was okay. It was, it was good enough, obviously. Uh, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how both teams move forward. Hopefully, you know, Jameis Winston could have a back, you know, a bounce back year or a bounce back game. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to see those little strides from Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, obviously I don't expect him to throw, put up huge numbers every week, but if he can make those little improvements and, you know, up his completion percentage and up his, you know, throws downfield a little bit here and there throughout week to week, uh, you know, it, that'll be a good, uh, a good sign for the 49ers moving forward.
0: Exactly. All right. So let's go to this one. This one was one I was really excited about um Steelers have moved on from Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown thought the drama was behind them thought they were poised to make a nice leap forward this year they go into New England on Sunday night football and just get steamrolled by the Patriots that offense looked completely out of rhythm uh do you think they are going to miss Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell I mean obviously they're going to miss them I mean you're
1: you're talking about two guys when they're they're healthy and then they're they're in the right mindset You know, you're talking, you know, almost 3,000 yards of total offense between the two of them, between rushing and receiving on Bell and receiving from uh, Antonio Brown. So, I mean, you're talking nearly 3,000 yards of offense and and 20 touchdowns. So uh, they're obviously going to miss him. I think the biggest question is, you know, my my biggest concern really was Ben Roethlisberger because he just, uh, I mean, his decision-making was poor. He was holding on to the ball longer than he should have. Uh, you know, just he didn't really move around very well. Uh you know, so a lot of it I I kind of put on him. Um, it doesn't help when no one else really does anything besides uh uh Juju. Um James Connor didn't really run the ball well. Juju, you know, it looked he looked okay, he looked solid. Um, but they need they need to find that number two receiver. They need to find that slot receiver. I know they moved some guys around, they had Washington and Switzer and stuff like that moving around, but uh, you know, they, Roethlisberger's got to make better decisions, and he's got to release the ball quicker.
0: Exactly. I think a part of it, too, is the New England Patriots, no matter how much we want to get down on them every offseason, they still look like favorites to repeat Super Bowl champions. I mean, they were all over the field, no matter who was catching the football. The defense looked great. I think they're, they're – po- and they don't even have Antonio Brown yet. That's only going to be scarier next week. Yeah. And and the crazy
1: thing with with the Patriots is everyone keeps talking about, you know, the air raid offenses and stuff. And the Patriots almost run it as well as anyone, uh, college or NFL level, honestly, because I I mean, I've said before, everyone gets the air raid confused. They think it's just throwing it downfield every time. And what it is, is it's getting, you know, it's throwing the ball, you know, at a high volume. Um, for a high amount, amount of yardage, but a, what a lot of those throws are are those crossing patterns, those quick slants, those over the middle throws, and giving, you know, getting your receivers in the middle of those those zones and letting them, you know, get those yak yards. And and the Patriots just shredded the Steelers with that, um, with Edelman and Josh Gordon and Philip Dorsett. And uh, uh, I mean, they just it, it looked crazy.
0: All I can say is, if you don't like to see grown men cry, don't tune into the New England Miami game next week. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, I think it was New England by forty.
1: <laughs> I, I I mean, if 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 Baltimore can put up fifty nine, New England could put up eighty. Honestly, if they want to, uh, I mean, who who. What are they going to do? I mean, they've got now they're going to have Antonio Brown on one side, Josh Gordon on the other. They got uh, Julian Edelman in the slot. They got James White catching it out of the backfield. Sony Michelle running it. They got a solid offensive line. And then obviously Tom Brady throwing the,
0: the ball. So, and the Dolphins uh, feel like they're playing with eight men on defense just because for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, that that's a that's a game that could get
1: out of hand really, really early. And and I mean, I think the the Ravens put up, was it 35 or 42 in the first half?
0: Yeah, I think it was uh,
1: 32 or 35. I mean, yeah. And so it's I, I could see the, the Patriots if they really want to. I mean, I could see them doing that in both halves, honestly. Um, hopefully if it gets out of hand, what the Patriots do, you know, would put in Jared Stidham and, you know, late in the game and let him get some reps, um, as the backup to Tom Brady and then pull Josh Gordon and all those guys. But, uh, you know, we don't know. Cause Bill Belichick is, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he likes to rub it in a little bit sometimes. So we'll see. Yeah. Especially against the division rivals. So yeah, a division rival that always plays them well too.
0: All right, so let's go on to the first of the Monday doubleheader. It was a great game. Texans and Saints, man, that was a good show. Uh, Both offenses put on a show. Two lead changes within the last minute of the game, uh, and Saints pulled off of the last-second field goal. Did you enjoy that one? It was a a phenomenal game. Honestly, probably the best
1: game of the week. Um, Both offense, I mean, the, the Saints looked a little rusty in the first half, but uh, the second half came out and they, I mean, they put on a show and, and Houston, I mean, they started off fast and then they got, you know, they got a little sloppy in the middle and then they ended fast. Um, my, my concern with that game though, is, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was sacked, I think 62 times last year and they, they bring in Laramie Tunzel to help protect him. And, uh, he was sacked six times in the game. Uh, you know, part of that was,
0: too a little bit, didn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, on his, uh, well, it was on his touchdown run when he that's dove right, into the end right. zone. Yeah. Uh, he landed on his back awkwardly. It looks like it, you know, got a, a little, you know, they're saying a bruise, but he, you could tell he was uncomfortable out there a little bit. Um, you know, looked a little stiff out there for a while. So, um, I mean, my, my concern moving forward with the Texans is you, you traded two first round picks and I think a second round pick, um, to get Laramie Tunzel and it doesn't seem to, I mean, Tunzel had an okay game. He missed a couple blocks here and there, but I think it was a communication error. He'd only been on, you know, on the job for five days. Um, there's, that's going to happen. Um, but the rest of the offensive line just got manhandled. Uh, you know, the other part of the trade, Kenny Stills, you know, he had that touchdown in the final minute. Kenny Stills looked pretty good. He had a reverse that, uh, he ran, uh, for a first down, uh, going against his former team in new Orleans. Um, uh, I mean, stills look good. Uh, Tunsil looked, you know, okay overall, but if you're going to give up that much, you can't be giving up six sacks. Um, and then from the from the Saints, I mean, they're uh the defense looked a little shaky. I mean, they rushed the pass over, passer pretty well, obviously, but uh the the secondary looked a little questionable at times. So, uh, you know, moving forward, I want to see some better some better uh, secondary play out of the Saints, some better offensive line play out of the the Texans, but overall, it's a great sign for both teams. I think it, it solidifies what we said. I think Houston's going to be a, a, a threat all season. Uh, New Orleans, I mean, they're they're my Super Bowl runner-up pick. Um, so I, I think
0: it solidified both of those, really. Yeah, it was a great game. So let's go to the second game in the doubleheader, and that one was the Raiders versus the Broncos. Raiders just dominating the game. I like to see it for the Raiders because – they get rid of Antonio Brown. They you heard teammates say it felt like instead of building up for this big Monday night division rivalry, all they were focused on is Antonio Brown. So he's gone. They come in. They look great. They get the win. Um, one of the things that surprised me the most, you've been hearing all aussies about Vic Fangio's his fantastic defensive mind, and he thinks Von Miller is a better player than Khalil Mack. And they're gonna they didn't touch Derek Carr at all. They didn't get any hits in the pocket, no sacks didn't even touch him so uh what do you make of this is it more raiders uh kind of adrenaline fueled win or is it there's some serious issues with the broncos right now I mean I think a little bit of both I think you know I I have said before the raiders from year 1 to year 2 I
1: thought we're going to make a big jump particularly on the uh the offensive side um I think the adrenaline did carry him a little bit in the game, but I mean, Vic Fangio looked confused. Honestly, he didn't know where the Raiders were coming from. He didn't know if they were going to throw it down the field, if they were going to throw it short, if they were going to hit Josh Jacobs, you know, in the backfield. Uh, I mean, he he just he thoroughly looked confused out there. And and John Gruden, you know, everyone jokes, you know, you know, uh, you know that mad Chucky stuff and all this, and and I mean, you know, that mad offensive mind that he has. Uh, but I mean, it looked like he just thoroughly worked, uh, uh, fangio last night or fangio last night. And, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. It was, uh, I mean, good for the Raiders. It's the, you know, the, 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 NFL is better when the Raiders are good, despite, you know, you're a chiefs fan. Uh, I grew up in, in the, uh, you know, around the chiefs. So it, uh, you know, we, we naturally have kind of a, a dislike of the Raiders a little bit, but. You know, despite what we think, football is better when the Raiders are good. It's like baseball. Baseball is better when the Yankees are good. Um, And so I'd like to see them, you know, have a good bounce back year and have a solid season. I don't want to see them, you know, challenge for the division title, honestly. But uh, if they can come out, win six, seven, eight games, that'd be, you know, great, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I like to see the Raiders win just because in my personal opinion, I feel like they handled the Antonio Brown thing well. Uh, not putting up with any of his BS and threatening the fines, taking his guarantees away and finally just getting rid of him and really not losing any money. As a matter of fact, I think I read something they made money because he supposed to pay his fines and he doesn't get any money from the contract. So uh, I think that they handled it well and I'm glad to see them be able to turn around focus and win game the uh, game one without having to worry about Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah, and it, what it does, honestly, too, is it sets a precedent. Now it's these players moving forward, they're going to realize, you know, presumably John Gruden's there for the next, you know, nine, you know, counting this season, nine more seasons. And, I mean, he, he just set a standard of we don't care how good you are. We don't care that we gave up a third-round pick and I think a fifth-round pick uh, to get you. We don't care what we spent on you. We don't care what we gave up for you. Um, if you come in and you're a detriment to the team, you know, we're going to get rid of you and, and it's not going to stand. We'll take away your money. We'll take away your guarantees. Uh, and, and we'll move on without you and we're going to be fine. And, uh, no one's above the team. And I think they set a great precedent with that. Um, you know, everyone kind of criticized them for Khalil Mack, uh, last year. Um, but now, I mean, now they've come in and it's, you know, look what they got for Khalil Mack and look what they got for. Uh, Amari Cooper I mean they got uh uh Cleveland Farrell who had a sack last year or last night they had uh, uh Abrams uh, the safety out of Mississippi State I think um uh, you know looked good Josh Jacobs uh obviously he had a great game uh multiple touchdowns caught the ball well ran the ball well so I mean they're everyone kind of criticized him last year but now we're starting to see that the fruit of that labor kind of come out a little bit and and for them to set a precedent of you know, we're, we're about team and we're about unity. And if you're not part of that, get out. I, I think that's going to be huge moving forward.
0: All right. Let's take a look at some of the fantasy standouts from week one. Um, obviously we talked about Lamar Jackson and his five touchdowns. Uh, who else stood out for you in week sure. one?
1: Uh, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I'm, I, I've got to point out, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, the guy, I mean, he did nothing but help his contract situation. Goes out, throws for 405 yards, four touchdowns uh, in uh, both of our leagues, which are PPR leagues. Our scoring differs just slightly, but he uh, had 46 fantasy points in both leagues. Uh, so that was a huge surprise, a huge bonus. Uh, Christian McCaffrey in uh, Carolina, 128 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Uh, he had 81 yards receiving. Uh, On 10 receptions. So again, like we talked about, if you're a PPR league, uh, you know, those 10 receptions, that's 10 points right there. Uh, He had 44 total points. Austin Eckler, we talked about, uh, uh, he had over uh, 150 yards of total offense, three touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, 198 yards, three touchdowns um Deshaun Jackson first game back in Philly uh 154 yards and two touchdowns Uh, a couple big plays with Carson Wentz Uh, looks like that could be a dangerous match uh matchup uh and then we talked about earlier uh the Tampa Bay 49ers game uh 49ers number one fantasy defense of the week uh 27 points Uh, they had three interceptions a fumble recovery three sacks Uh, look like they could really rush the passer uh, and then kind of, you know, my, my surprise players, the one, you know, a lot of these ones didn't really catch me off guard. I knew that the Cowboys would kind of dominate the giants and, and uh, you know, Watkins, you know, like I said before, it, he just reminded us what he could do. And, and the 49ers, you know, they had they brought in all these pass rushers and they really rushed the passers. So uh, some of my surprise ones were uh, I mentioned earlier, Delaney Walker, 55 yards, two touchdowns, first game back from a pretty, pretty nasty injury last year. Uh, Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Uh, you know, we've talked about the lack of depth at tight end uh, uh, in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Mark Andrews comes out, has eight catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, TJ Hawkinson for Detroit, uh, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and then, uh, you know, one of the, the the best ones I saw was uh, John Ross for Cincinnati. This is a guy that I've been really high on since he's come into the league. Uh, on paper, he's the fastest guy in the NFL. He set the NFL record for uh, the 40-yard dash at the Combine. Uh, you know, 12 receptions, 158 yards, two touchdowns against a, a stout Seattle defense. Uh, so that was really promising to see. So uh, a lot of a lot of really great performances. A lot we're not even mentioning, but... Um, those are the ones that really stood out to me though.
0: Yeah. The one that really jumped out for me, I liked Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. That's a guy who in our fantasy league still on the waiver wire and he had a hundred or what was it? I, I don't remember his yardage, but he had two touchdowns from Lamar Jackson. So yeah, uh, 147 yards, 147 and two yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he was a deep threat. He kind of was dinged up, had a, a foot injury and was questionable going into the game, but he proved to me that he's ready to roll. So I expect him to probably be the number one waiver wire pickup this week if he's not already on teams. Yep. Um, and then another one, obviously, with the same team, Mark Ingram. A lot of people thought they would kind of split carries and Lamar Jackson would get more rushing. Mark Ingram was the the number one back. He, he handled the load and did it well and put up great fantasy points. So I think people are going to feel more comfortable about him. He wasn't up there in the tier with the, the RB1s, so he was kind of further down the list so if you got him later in the draft i think you're going to get a great value out of him all right it is time for our weekly pick'em. um last week mike finished 12 three and one and i finished nine six and one so you got the upper hand week one um let's take a look at the week two schedule and see what we're thinking so thursday night football kicks off with the buccaneers and panthers who do you got I'm going Panthers. I mean, they did lose week one, but it was against
1: the, the defending NFC champions. Uh, the offense really kind of came alive in the second half a little bit. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are going to be overwhelmed again, so I'm going Panthers on this one.
0: I'm with you on that one. Just cut and dry Panthers all day. Um, then for the noon games, we've got Cardinals-Ravens. Who do you got on that one? I'm
1: I'm going to Ravens. I think they're going to carry that that high into into week two. Uh, you know the defense is is spotty for uh, Arizona. They gave up 385 yards and three touchdowns to Matt Stafford. Um, I, I think the Ravens take this one. I think it's going to be a, a shootout a little bit. Um, Kyler Murray really got hot in that second half uh,
0: against the Lions, but uh, I think the Ravens take this. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think. The, the Cardinals just don't look like they're ready to take that next step yet, and uh, the Ravens obviously looked unstoppable week one, so I'm Ravens all the way. Uh, Chargers-Lions. This one's going to be a little bit more interesting. Lions obviously tied, but the uh, Chargers kind of struggled early in the season. Who do you got in that one?
1: Uh, I'm I'm going to go Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to clean a few things up. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers didn't necessarily have a great game uh, this first one, and I don't quite see TJ Hawkinson and Matt Stafford repeating their performances um, that they had Week One um, against Arizona. So I'm I'm taking the Chargers only slightly. I think it will be a close game, um, but I, I I see the uh, Chargers kind of cleaning some stuff up on the defensive side to to shut the Lions down
0: a little bit. So. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers, too. I think I really like T.J. Hawkinson. I think Matt Stafford's a great quarterback. Uh, on Johnson's good, but I just don't know if their defense is going to be able to slow Phillip Rivers down enough, so I'm on Chargers as well. Uh, Colts-Titans. Obviously, we know what the Titans did to the Browns, and the Colts taking the Chargers to overtime, so who do you got in that one? It's hard to go against the the Titans in this
1: one. Uh, I mean, it was great for the Colts, um, you know, a great mental win for them to to have that game against the Chargers. But uh, I think that momentum that the Titans are going to have just kind of coming through and just thrashing uh, Cleveland, uh, I think the Titans are going to take this one. I think it'll be a balanced game again. Uh, They'll pass the ball well, run the ball well, um, and I I think they're going to take it.
0: I'm with you on that one. I like Derrick Henry against this Colts D I think it might be another overtime game or something like that but I think the the Titans pull that one off. Yeah uh, we got 49ers Bengals that one's kind of like the 49ers Bucks last week where you know it's not maybe the most exciting game but who do you got in that one? Uh, on this one I'm actually going to go with the Bengals uh, you know that the, this we
1: talked about the Seattle defense it's a pretty stout defense they added Jadeveon Clowney and and guys like that and and the Bengals still look good. Uh Andy Dalton threw the ball well, threw for over 400 yards. Uh, as I said before, John Ross had, you know, over 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh Mixon never really got going against the Seahawks, but I think I think he's gonna I think they're gonna work him into it. And really, you know, that uh the run stopping on the 49ers isn't quite as good as uh as the Seahawks is. So um I, I think the Bengals are gonna are gonna take this one.
0: I actually am gonna take the 49ers. I, I'm hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo takes another step, but that defense looked really good. And I just don't know if Zach Taylor's new offense in, in Cincinnati's really caught on yet. So I'm gonna go 49ers and a close one. Um this one should be a good one. We've got Texans and Jaguars. Who do you got? I'm going Jaguars. Uh or
1: sorry, I'm going Texans, not Jaguars, sorry. Texans. Oh, you already said, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no take backs. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm going Texans. I mean, they, I think they're going to be down a little bit losing that game last second, but at the same time, I mean, they, against, uh, a a really good new Orleans team. I mean, they, their defense played pretty well. Their offense played amazingly. Uh, you know, they're going to have a week to prepare for Gardner Minshew. Um, I think that pass rush is going to be too much for him to handle. Um, they got good secondary play. Uh, you know, they ran the ball really well. Carlos Hyde looked great, uh, um in that game against new orleans and, and duke johnson caught the ball pretty well and had a couple good runs um so i think i think just offensively and defensively they're going to smother uh jacksonville and i i think this is honestly going to be a two at least a two score game
0: yeah i'm gonna go texans too and I, I read a crazy stat that was jj watt didn't record a single stat in the last game he had no tackles no sacks no but no batted passes he had nothing it was like he wasn't even in the game so I don't expect that to continue, and I expect him to step up against the Jags, and and they handedly win this one. All right, another game we got Vikings and Packers. Uh, Vikings have a great defense. Packers are one and O against the Bears. So what do you got? I mean this this is a tough one. I feel kind of bad for the
1: Packers because they're playing these two great, you know what I think are probably the two best defenses in the NFL, Week One and Week Two. Um, however, they're going to have 10 days to prepare for that defense, uh, another week to get ready in that, uh, that LaFleur offense. Um, I don't expect them to be as sloppy as they were in week one. Um, but you know, Minnesota, I mean, they, they shut down a really good offense in Atlanta. So, uh, I, I think I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one. Uh, Dalvin cook looked amazing. Uh, Kirk cousins barely had to throw the ball against Atlanta. Um, That may be the key to success is just take the ball out of Cousins' hand, honestly. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to go the Vikings. I I don't think – I think the Packers will play better. Um, I think they probably put up more around 17 points, but uh, I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop uh, that Minnesota offense.
0: Yeah, I'm on the Vikings too. Dalvin Cook is just running like a a man with, with hatred after missing a season with an ACL and then coming back and having a down season. He's running like a man on fire. I think it's too much for the Packers to handle. And and once again, I don't know that Kirk cousins is going to have to do much. He only had 10 pass attempts in the first game. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see. I I think the Vikings win this one pretty easily. Yeah. All right. We got Cowboys Redskins. Who do you got Uh,
1: going Cowboys in this one? uh, The Redskins played the Eagles, you know, pretty tough uh, early in the game. Uh, but the Cowboys, like I said, I mean, they they looked unstoppable last week on offense. The defense looked nasty. Uh, you know, they had two hundred yard receivers and Michael Gallup and uh, Amari Cooper. Uh both uh, uh Jarwin and, and Whitney at tight end there. Um I mean I think they had six catches for like 60 yards and two touchdowns combined so they were getting good tight end play. Uh, Randall Cobb coming in at slot four catches, 69 yards and a touchdown. so uh, a lot of weapons to throw it to. Obviously you've got Zeke Elliott to hand off to and you got a great offensive line. Um, and like I said that defense uh, just just smothered uh, New York last week and, and now you got a Washington offense that'll be without uh, geese. So uh I, I think the Cowboys are gonna smother them. I think they're gonna end up winning. I think it'll be another big game, honestly. Um I could see it being, you know, more like a 28-14 kind of game or or maybe a thirty-one twenty one style game. So um uh, I think I think Cowboys take it pretty
0: handily. Yeah, I'm on the I'm with the Cowboys. I think uh Ezekiel Elliott gets back in the groove of things and just runs over Redskins. All right, we got Seahawks and Steelers. That ought to be an interesting game. Steelers looked like absolute garbage week one. So, do they bounce back against the Seahawks?
1: I think they bounce back, but I'm picking the Seahawks to play or to to win this game. Uh, it'll be. I don't think the Steelers are going to get blown out like they did last time. I think it'll be a good game, um, but that that Seahawks defense, like we mentioned a few times, it's it is a pretty solid defense, uh, especially with the addition of Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, uh, DK Metcalf receiving, you know, on the receiving side and you got Tyler Lockett, uh, Metcalf looked great. Uh, first NFL game, four catches, 89 yards, uh, Russell Wilson threw the ball. Well, uh, Chris Carson, you know, not a great average, but he got some tough yards, uh, and had a touchdown. Uh, I think that it's going to be a little too much for the Steelers. Uh, I do think it's a close game, but I'm picking the Seahawks to take it.
0: Yeah, I am too. I, I think the Steelers just aren't quite there yet. I think they could possibly take a few weeks, get Ben Rossberger back in the group of things, but Seahawks all day. Um, we got bills giants. Who do you got in that one? Going bills. I'm, I'm going with that. Uh, you know, they got a great defense,
1: a very underrated defense out there. Um, I think it's going to, uh, create havoc for the giants. Uh, I think Saquon has a good day. I think Eli has a good day, but, uh, you know, they both had good games against the Cowboys and it, it didn't translate into points. Um, So uh, I'm I'm going with the Bills. I think the Bills clean up the turnovers a little bit. I think the defense stifles the Giants, and uh, I think they're going to run the ball pretty well too.
0: Yeah, Bills started out looking really bad, but they bounced back in a big way and obviously made that huge comeback. So I'm going to take the Bills. I think the Giants just – I mean Saquon's dominant, but I don't think Eli's going to have as good a game as he had last week. So Bills for me. All right, we've got the Patriots visiting the Dolphins. Uh, Obviously, the Dolphins fell really hard to the Ravens last week. Patriots dominated the Steelers. Uh, How lopsided do you think this one's going to be? I mean, I think this is going to be
1: a a huge blowout. Patriots, I mean, if the Ravens could put up 59 against the Dolphins, the Patriots should, you know, be able to put up 60 or 70, honestly, if they choose to. Uh, You know, it'll be interesting to see with uh, the new Antonio Brown stuff coming out, the allegations and everything, uh, if he's able to play. But even without him, uh, I mean, they should still win this game by 28 points or more with without even breaking a sweat. So I'm going Patriots big in this one.
0: Yeah, the Dolphins always seem to play them hard. And everyone remembers the crazy miracle play that that actually beat the Patriots last season. Uh, it's not going to happen this year. I, I, I'm with you. I think the Patriots win by probably at least three touchdowns in this. And I, I would hope that the Patriots put their backups in. But uh, who knows what Bill Belichick's thinking. So I'm going Patriots big as well. All right, now we've got Chiefs and Raiders. This is going to be an interesting matchup. No Tyreek Hill. Raiders coming off of a big division win. Uh, Chiefs defense looked a little suspect against the Jaguars. Uh, who do you got in this one? I'm still going the Chiefs. They, they just have too much talent for the Raiders. I think
1: the Raiders are – I think it'll be a, a tough game early, but I think the Chiefs will pull away late. Uh, I'd say probably a, at least a 10-point game, honestly. Um, but it'll it'll be challenging for a little while. Um uh, I think the Raiders have, you know, good momentum going into it. And like I said, I think that'll carry them for a bit. But the Chiefs, even without Tyreek Hill, just have too much talent for uh, the Raiders to keep up with. So I'm going Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I'm going Chiefs, too. I think the Chiefs just have way too much talent on offense to for the Raiders' defense to stop. Plus, for some reason, I'm not really sure. Derek Carr never plays well against Kansas City. Last year, in a game, he threw three or four picks against the Chiefs and lost it. He just never seems to play well against the Chiefs. So I'm going to take Chiefs by touchdown on this one. All right. We've got Saints at the Rams. um uh, Saints coming off of a big win in the the Monday night football game against the Texans. Rams coming off a big win against the Panthers. Who wins this one? I'm going. I'm going Saints. I think they're going to be wanting a little bit of
1: payback uh, against the Rams after that uh, NFC championship fiasco last year. Uh, I think they're going to want to put a statement on it, show that they're definitely the better team. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going Saints. I think they're gonna I think they're going to take it and and uh, uh, by at least a touchdown, maybe a little bit more. Uh, like I said, I think this is going to be a statement game for them. They're going to have a little more emotion, a little more, uh, be a little more fired up, I think, than the Rams will be
0: for this one. Yeah, I'm going to take the Saints as well. It, to me, it's kind of weird. They claim that uh, Todd Gurley is 100 percent back and healthy, but if you watch that game, Malcolm Brown was the starter. Todd Gurley really didn't do anything until the fourth quarter game was pretty much already decided. He broke off a, a big run or two, but Malcolm Brown had a way more productive day on the ground in the first three quarters. And Todd Gurley did. So I still think there's something going on there. I think Jared Goff plays well, but the saints get it down in a close one. All right. We've got another battle of defenses, bears versus Broncos, uh, bears, Played lights out on defense, couldn't do anything on offense. Uh, Broncos defense didn't really show up week one, but they have potential to be close to a top 10 defense. So who do you got winning this one?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going Bears. Uh, their defense, I mean, when you go defense versus defense, the Bears defense is better. Uh, the Broncos struggled against the Raiders, which, I mean, they gave up the most points in, in the NFL last year, and they added some pieces on defense, which obviously made them a little bit better. Uh, but they still struggled against what you know, what I think will be maybe an average defense at best, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm going with the Bears on this one. I think the offense gets it going a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to start moving the ball. They'll be a little more in rhythm now that they've got a game under their belt finally. So uh, I think it's a low-scoring game, probably like a 17-10 kind of game, maybe a 21-14 game, but uh, I'm giving it to the Bears
0: yeah i'm on the bears too I, I think they bounced back big from last week and uh i just got word the broncos right tackle had a knee injury one of the highest paid right tackles in the game so that leaves kind of an opening for Khalil Mack and and company to get in there and wreak some havoc so i think the bears defense uh dominates the game and the bears offense does just enough to win all right another good one on sunday night football we got eagles at falcons uh both teams looked good. Falcons obviously got overpowered by the Vikings, but I think the Eagles, I mean, they they looked pretty good. They looked rough at start against the Redskins, but they came back, got the win. So who do you got in this one? I I'm going Falcons. I think
1: they're going to uh they're going to capitalize on on uh that Eagles defense messing up a little bit. Uh if the Redskins can put up 27 against the Eagles, I think the the Falcons could put up more than that. They've got the better offense. They're going to be a little more in rhythm. Um it's a matter of can their defense uh hold uh uh Carson Wentz in check a little bit and and the rest of that offense in check. So, I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I do think the Falcons are going to take this one.
0: I'm actually going to go Eagles here. I think that the Eagles, to me, feel like a more complete team. They've got a, better, a little bit better defense than the Falcons do. And uh, the Eagles offense has weapons there. I think the Eagles pull it off. But I do think it's a close one. It could be another overtime game possibly or a three-point game at the end. Yeah. All right, so for Monday Night Football, I'm not sure why they picked this game, but we've got Browns at the Jets. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going Browns.
1: I think they're going to want to I think they're going to be motivated to bounce back from that, you know, pretty embarrassing loss that they had to Tennessee. Uh, they have more talent than the Jets. Uh, I, I think that's at the end of the day, just going to kind of overwhelm them. Uh, they had more talent than the Titans, honestly, but the Titans have that rhythm and that sync. And, you know, they've played with that coach now. This is their second or third year with very uh, variable. Uh, you know, they they knew the system, they knew the plays, they were comfortable with each other, uh, where the Browns weren't. Now the Browns are going against a team that's in the same situation they're in, but they have a lot more talent than that team. So uh I, I do think the Browns win. I think the Browns are actually gonna win big in this one. Um I see it more like a 31-17 kind of game. Um, uh, so I mean, not
0: a not a great Monday night game, but you know, it is what it is. So I'm going Browns. Yeah, I'm gonna go Browns too. I think And I hate to use this this early in the season, but I feel like this is almost a must win for the Browns to get their uh, expectations back on track. If they lose this game, you know, they got to play the Ravens twice, got to play the Steelers twice. It's kind of an uphill battle. This is one of those games, if they're wanting to make the playoffs and win this division, that they really need to win right now. So I'm taking the Browns in a close one. I think the Jets put up a fight, but I think it's going to be pretty close. All right, let's take a look at some of the players we think are going to be studs this week in fantasy. Um, last week we called out Lamar Jackson. Who do you got this week?
1: I'm actually sticking with that same team. I'm actually going Marquise Brown for the, uh, Ravens, uh, the rookie, uh, speedster four catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns last week, um, against the Dolphins. Cardinals are missing Patrick Peterson. So, uh, secondary's week, they don't really have a great pass rush. Uh, they did add Terrell Suggs, but didn't really do too much last week, um, So I'm going Marquise Brown. I think he's going to, if Lamar Jackson gets time and he's willing to to throw the ball, I think Marquise Brown's going to be open, and I think he can come up with a couple big plays again next week.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to stay in that same game and the guy throwing in the football, Lamar Jackson. I think obviously last week might not be the norm for him, five touchdowns and perfect passer rating, but I don't know that it's going to get a lot worse this week. No Patrick Peterson on the Cardinals. I think he runs a little bit more this week, but I think he still puts up major fantasy points. Who else you got? Uh,
1: kind of to stick with our theme, you know, I think that'll be going throughout the season. Really, is uh, I'm picking any of your Patriot players against the Dolphins. Uh, what they, you know, what the Ravens did to him last week, uh, I think it's just the the beginning. Unfortunately for Dolphins fans, uh, the Patriots uh obviously i think they have one of the top offenses in the nfl so they should, like like i said earlier i could if they choose to they could probably score 60 points against uh against uh, the dolphins so i think tom brady could have a big day i think sony michelle james white edelman josh gordon uh any of those guys could have uh could have big days so any of those guys you have i would i would start because they all have the possibility of
0: putting up a lot of points absolutely Um, my next pick's going to be Russell Wilson against the Steelers. I think he's going to have a big game. I look for Tyler Lockett to get open a lot against them. And I think that they're going to open it up with the ground game, but Russell Wilson, I mean, the way Tom Brady kind of picked apart that Steelers defense, I think Russell Wilson can do a lot of the same, uh, with a lot of deep ball mixed in with Tyler Lockett. So I'm thinking Russell Wilson for, for a big game against the Steelers. Yeah. All right. What's one of your picks? Uh, my last
1: pick for fantasy, it's going to be uh, a little less sexy pick, but I'm going the Texans defense against the Jaguars. Uh, they're going to be going against uh, the rookie Gardner Minshew, and uh, you know he had some success against the Chiefs last week. But the Chiefs, I mean they're they're not they're not quite what they're going to be here in a few weeks on defense. Uh, even at that point, we don't know what they're really going to be. Uh, the Texans have you know, an elite pass rush, even without Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you know, we we talked about earlier in the episode, JJ Watt didn't really put a lot of, didn't have any stats against the Saints. But if you watch the game, uh, he actually caused a couple holding penalties because he blew by his guy. He got his guy out of position. So he caused a couple holding penalties. He he uh, got a couple pressures on Drew Brees. So even without putting up stats, he still affected the game. Whitney Merciless, uh, is back to playing his his old position that he was at before Jadavion Clowney came, and he had a sack last week and an interception. Uh, you know they've got a solid secondary. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be a a big game for uh for that Texans defense.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm going to stick with the defensive picks too, and my next pick is going to be the Bears defense against the Broncos. Uh, Bears defense, even though they lost the game, still looked really dominant against the Packers. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is much better quarterback than Joe Flacco. So I expect the Bears to be uh, harassing the Broncos. And with the right tackle injury the Broncos have, I expect Khalil Mack to get to the quarterback often. Um, I expect a big game out of the Bears' defense. I agree. All right, so now let's talk about a couple guys that were kind of, I won't say don't start them, but these are guys that we expect to not have as big a week as they could or are expected to. Uh, who's one you got? Uh, for me, I've got Aaron Rodgers
1: going against the Vikings defense. Uh, second straight week going against an elite defense. I think the Bears Vikings are are the top two defenses in the league. Honestly, uh, he didn't he didn't have a bad game last week. But for Aaron Rodgers, you know when you start him uh, from a fantasy standpoint, you expect that twenty five to thirty point uh, game every single week. Last week he had around fifteen, depending on how your league settings are. Uh, he's going against a, a defense to me that I think is just as good as uh, as the Bears. I think the Bears have a better pass rush. I think the Vikings have a better secondary. Uh, so I, I think it's still going to be – I think he'll put up okay numbers, but he's not going to put up those Aaron Rodgers-style numbers that uh, a lot of people will be expecting. So if you have a, a legit solid number two quarterback, I would really think about playing that guy. Um, you I mean, like I said, I don't think he's gonna have a horrible game. I just don't think he's gonna put up the numbers everyone expects him to.
0: Right. And that's kind of how I feel about my pick, Derek Carr against the Chiefs. Um, obviously the Chiefs defense was last in the league last year in most categories. Uh Derek Carr had a great week one, but I feel like this is a trap coming. I don't think I don't expect Derek Carr to have the same game this week that he did last week. He always plays the Chiefs bad. Uh for whatever reason, even when they had Amari Cooper and he had his best season ever, they still didn't play well against the chiefs. So I expect him to, you know, have a good game, but not maybe the game people are expecting coming off of the week one victory.
1: I could see that for sure.
0: All right. I think that pretty much wraps up our NFL week one review and week two fantasy preview. Um, What did you think of week two college football? Uh, you know, there were
1: not a lot going on, honestly. There was a lot. I mean, the teams we thought were going to win, won, you know, won their games. Uh, the really only significant matchup of the week was the Texas-LSU game. Uh, it was a fantastic game for anyone that watched it. Uh, Texas, you know, shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Uh, the first quarter they had uh, first first in uh, goal um, twice in the first quarter and failed to, you know, score on either either possession, and they lost the game by seven points. So, uh you know i think it was it, it's it's a great win for lsu it's not a bad loss for texas if they go undefeated the rest of the season and lsu's their one loss that they have uh it's not a, it's not a bad thing they still have a, a legit shot at getting into the playoffs i think uh lsu is inter- it's interesting to see because you know over the last 15 20 years lsu has really been uh you know a, a conservative offense with you know kind of like how baltimore typically is Uh, a stout defense with a conservative offense and now they they brought in the saints passing uh, passing game coordinator and opened it up they're doing a lot of a lot of five receiver sets a lot of empty backfields a lot of motion before the plays so it's interesting to see them actually spread the ball out uh, or spread the play out and spread the field out and throw the ball around a lot and and they're having good success so far so i'll be interested to see Uh, how that translates uh, against some of those SEC defenses. Uh, Texas has a lot of athletes on defense, but uh, they lost a lot of starters from last year's defense. So they're still kind of finding their footing at this point right now. So uh, it's not the best test in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, defense that they went against. But uh, the other question I have is, you know, they did give up uh, 38 points to the Texas offense. So, Um, You know, could this be a you know kind of a transition? They're going to score a lot of points, but they're also going to give up a lot of points. Uh, It'll be interesting to watch. Like I said, when they get up against Alabama and when they get up against Georgia schools like that, Uh, you know, will LSU keep it going? Um, Can they keep that high-powered offense going? And if so, will it make the defense suffer? Uh, From the from the Texas side of things, like I said, the uh, offense played great. Um, They were down, they you know really thin at running back. Uh, They had. their redshirt freshman uh, quarterback is their number two uh, running back. And then their number three running back, they had a linebacker that they transitioned over in case of emergency. So super thin at running back Uh, still played well. I mean, Sam Ellinger threw the ball well, they ran the ball pretty well overall. Uh, They need to find some, you know, their footing on defense. Uh, Like I said, they replaced a lot of guys from last year. So they're still kind of, you know, still kind of coming around right now. So, uh, I mean that was really the only marquee matchup uh the the only other big thing I mean we saw uh, n- uh number 25 Nebraska lost to uh Colorado that was kind of a uh, a bit of a hard game to watch they were up I think 17 nothing and then uh ended up losing in uh in overtime I believe uh so it was uh that that was a kind of a a tough one to watch. I was hoping to see the Cornhuskers start two and zero. I think uh, college football is better when Nebraska is is playing well. So hopefully they can have a bounce back coming up and uh, and get back on the right track.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of that has to do with some play calling issues too. They get a little bit conservative going into the second half and and uh, they you know if you look at the Chiefs model of just step on the gas until you're way in the lead. I mean, the Chiefs have their own play call issues with time management, but this one was, was let's just run on first, run on second, pass on third. They knew exactly what was going to happen, and Colorado took advantage of it all the way and, and won the game. So uh, a couple other things that stood out about week two for me, obviously, number one, Clemson beating number 16, Texas A&M. Um, the Clemson still looks poised to be there at the end again. I have no doubt they're going to be in a playoff. Trevor Lawrence looks good. Um, The other one that stood out to me, and no one really talks about this, is Wisconsin is doing something that a lot of people haven't done in a long time. For two straight weeks, they've had shutouts. Granted, it's not against the toughest opponents in South Florida and Central Michigan, but they have outscored those guys 110-0 to in two games. I mean, these guys are looking another form of dominant. So at number 14, I think Wisconsin – We talked about how they always seem to get to the the footstep of the playoffs, but then they can't quite get in for some reason. I don't know if they're going to have a problem this year. They're looking really dominant through two games. Yeah, and I think with the Big Ten, it's it's
1: interesting to see because uh, you know, like you had a school like Michigan struggling against Army, but then like you said, you have uh, Wisconsin dominating, and then you have Maryland. You know, has put up ridiculous. I think they've scored 120 or 130 points in the first two games of the season. Um, so they're showing some big play, uh, offense over in the big 10 right now, uh, uh, Ohio state the same way, uh, Michigan state one big, uh, so they're putting up a lot of points in the big 10, which is, is rare. Um, not really known for their offense, honestly. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see when conference play starts, uh, Clemson, like you said, I mean, I think they got a little vengeance against a and you know, kept it close last year uh, against Clemson. And, and some of the, the players on A&M were guaranteeing wins against Clemson. And then they, you know, for anyone that watched that game, it was, it was never in question. Um, it wasn't a, a complete blowout, but it was never in question. I mean, Clemson never really felt threatened. Um, and A&M, you know, never really felt like they, you know, they could, you know, plant their foot and just, you know, stand, you know, hold up against Clemson at all. So, um, you know, it was a little disappointing of a matchup, honestly, didn't really let, you know, there was a little bit of hype to it, but um, it didn't quite live up to to what a lot of people were wanting. So Clemson's looking dominant. Uh, Jalen Hurts down in Oklahoma, um, I think is kind of reminding people, a lot of people forget that he, you know, he actually won the SEC Offensive Player of the Year um, a couple years ago. I mean, people, you know, forget that he's actually a good offensive player, uh, that can throw the ball, run the ball, and I mean, right now he's he's putting up Heisman Trophy level numbers right now. So uh, a lot of a lot of good things in in see or in uh, week two of college football. Uh, you know, like I said, not necessarily a lot of great matchups, but a lot of great performances uh, by players and by teams. So um, I'm I'm really looking forward to to uh, week three.
0: Yeah, and just to touch a little bit on the Wisconsin game again so they won 61 to nothing against Central Michigan and their starting running back now has seven touchdowns through two weeks. So, they're getting it done on the ground but their quarterback also passed for 363 and three touchdowns. So, uh Wisconsin typically has been the ground and pound. We all saw what happened when Melvin Gordon was on the team. But now it seems like they're a little bit more you know, they're not as one dimensional as they used to be and 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 really Nebraska was supposed to be the one the one thing standing in their way in the big 10 west and obviously uh they struggled against south alabama lost to colorado and and wisconsin's putting up 40 plus points and not allowing a single point all season so it looks like they're going to be in the big 10 championship game yeah all right so with conference play starting in a lot of the leagues around college football what are you looking forward to in week three
1: you know, there's there there's not a lot of huge matchups, but there's some potential upset matchups out there. We got number nine Florida uh, going against Kentucky, who's also undefeated at the moment. Uh, we have Clemson against Syracuse. Syracuse nearly knocked Clemson off last year. Uh, they struggled last week against Maryland, but uh, they could be having it, looking for a bounce back game. Clemson looking for for revenge. Um, we also have Florida State, Virginia playing each other. ACC play. Uh, you know, I think Florida State's going to be looking to reestablish themselves against a top 25 opponent and, uh, hopefully write the season, you know, or write the ship a little bit for them. Uh, Oklahoma versus UCLA. Uh, UCLA has struggled this year so far. Oklahoma's been dominating. I'm expecting Jalen Hurts to, to start, you know, keep padding some of his potential Heisman Trophy numbers. Uh, Texas is looking to bounce back against Rice. Uh, I mean, they're not, like I said, not a lot of marquee matchups, but I think, uh, some some sleeper picks out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, that's an interstate game, obviously. So Iowa State's, uh, I think, an underrated team that could definitely knock off Iowa. Uh, you know, Michigan State, Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State beat Michigan State last year, I believe. So Michigan State will be looking for, for a little bit of a revenge, but they're both undefeated. So uh you know like i said a lot of a lot of potential upsets out there but nothing marquee in terms of top 25 matchups against each other so uh, i think it'll be a good week of college football and uh, like i said look out
0: for some upsets potentially absolutely i'm looking forward to it all right i think that's all we got for this week what do we got in store next week
1: uh, you know, we're going to be covering uh, week two of the NFL. We'll be going over week three of college football. We'll tell you the fantasy impacts of the NFL players. Uh, we'll give you our win-loss records on our uh, on our game picks. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you updated on uh, any more Antonio Browns uh, drama that happens. So uh, make sure you tune in.
0: And as always, you can check out our podcast on gridironauthority.com. Look at our latest blog posts. Any more content we've got there, It's all it's all good stuff. Um, also you can stream the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so we will see you next week